Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Are you gay? Geeky. Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture. Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. It contains content that may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. All Nerdy Show podcasts are made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. Discover the many ways you can join in at nerdyshow.com. All right, so today it's just me and Max. Hey. And we are we're going to dive into some GM stuff and come up with some homework topics for artifacts, monsters, rituals, that kind of thing, and dip our toe into step five a little bit while we're at it. So starting with GM stuff, Max, you ran Gloomtown, and um, what was the biggest pain point for you? Definitely combat. Mm-hmm. Was it the, the running of combat or the planning? Planning it, designing it, because I know that's like, for a lot of people, that's where the fun comes in. Yeah. It's combat. They finally get to use their powers. Like, we have a lot of powers that don't involve combat, but the bulk of the fun of an RPG game is that combat for, for, for some yeah, people. For a lot of people, yeah. So, like, not wanting to disappoint, kind of not really know what I was doing and not seeing how it scales. So, like, that first combat was really, really unsure of what to do. Mm-hmm. So, putting together a team, like, do I put in four guys who are really strong? Do I put in ten guys who aren't so strong? Just seeing how it would actually work out for me. Just having like having some sort of guideline would have helped. Like of uh, so yeah. uh, the only guideline I think I made mm-hmm. was that chart of just showing chance to hit percentages. Right, yeah. like that's really the only thing we've done. And I was trying to think of I don't even know how to frame it for the GM. There are two mm-hmm. ways to do it, right? There's there's the way to make your idea is that every combat should be a specific challenge, you know, unique uh, mm-hmm. because you're trying to do something and challenge your group in a, in a different way every time. Or the world is what it is, and sometimes you pick a fight with a hobo and it's just a hobo. Yeah, like a lot of my guys were just that. Like I was staying with my story. Mm-hmm. These were just townsfolk who happened to be holding weapons. Right. You know, they didn't have magic flame pillars and everything like that. So using enough of those to make it still fun and challenging but sticking with my story so you know you got the hang of it towards the end yeah right? especially like the final episode it felt like we were mm-hmm. you, you were able to get creative you know and, and yeah. make make some new things i feel like the first one was the most nerve-wracking one of like seeing how everything's going to play out mm-hmm. and it seemed like it went well and that gave me better for the second and the third to go on to see how they work out here's something we're going to run into too is that an easy fix i think is just mm-hmm. to create example encounters you know what i mean say this is a difficult level one this is a difficult encounter or this this one's a boss encounter just just do that now the problem is with the dice tier system and with the unique ways that people can level up how do we increase the difficulty in those examples 
consistently? Hmm. Do we say add two to everything, you know, yeah. <laughs> or, or do we just say maybe create one for every five levels, like another example, and you can kind of fill in the blanks yourself? Because eventually we're going to have to create some kind of monster manual or, or generator, mm-hmm. you know, so that people can get can you know if somebody runs off the map and says what's here the gm could just be like uh this thing yeah and i found it at least in our system i found it easier to design boss encounters than just random mobs because the boss encounter i'm like okay well generally they're going to do this much damage around so if i want it to last this many rounds it just has this much health and then it'll act three times a turn and that which means it'll do roughly this amount of damage around when you have four five six and you got to design it so that they're dangerous when they start, but then when they start picking them off one by one, is it still difficult at all? Like, how much do you mm-hmm. ramp them up, ramp them down? Yeah, that was my real issue with the definitely the first time was like, let's see what these guys actually do because what are they putting out? What is the team going to put out? Mm-hmm. You know, and it depends on the dice roll. There's been games where we whiff all night. Oh yeah. So a mob that's not designed to be super dangerous, that's not whiffing, could be dangerous too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the, you know, mm-hmm. now, the more I think about it, I had the a much easier time overall every time I made a boss encounter. So the time you guys fought the caretaker in Echoes, um, where he had the lasers and he was stepping over stuff, that was easy. The mole was easy. The, um, and even Calavon at the end, where I had to give him like crazy powers and he created like golems and stuff, it was still all centered on him and what he does every round until he's done. He's pretty much exactly as dangerous as when the, encounter started you know you could you could kill the golems but they're coming back yeah it would be fun to do like a boss rush mode where you just go boss after boss after boss (laughs) but how do we deal with difficulties of mobs i mean there's stage there's obviously like phases of an encounter right so you Mm -hmm. can make it so that when this guy dies now this extra thing happens you know whichever one you kill first yeah like almost like a dark souls i think you did that well with like you've done this now this happens Mm -hmm. and everything so that was you know having that and seeing liam do it as well Mm -hmm. helped me just seeing in front of me that's really i I do think now that then the main question becomes because i think we can all get creative with bosses Mm -hmm. pretty easily but how do we get it down to you're attacked by 15 creatures yeah because each of them has to be dangerous enough that even when it's down to one they could do some damage you know they could they could still threaten your party i think liam did that well with the powers yeah. We were attacked by the powers. I agree. I agree. Yeah. But it, each one had to be much more complicated individually than mm-hmm. your basic town guard, you yeah. know, which you wouldn't expect a town guard to be anything mm-hmm. more than a sword. So maybe would you feel like if there was just like, I don't know, like a three by five card that's like basic, basic town guard enemy, you know I, what I yeah. mean? And then you just, you're like, oh, I'm putting five of those in. Absolutely. So just like a monster manual, basically. What if we did like a deck, you know? And yeah, we could do that. could just randomly shuffle yeah like you got two dragons this time <laughs> yeah you could do that you know you could pull those out like a joker that would be super helpful if we just even not to put it down on the table just to have for you to like as a skeleton to design what mm. you want because you could take that basic town guard and do what you wanted with them yeah because that would, at least gives you the you would just say like strength to dex three yeah you know int zero mm-hmm. um composure one endurance zero and then you would then you would say it you know it gets plus three to hit it does a d6 plus two of damage and that's it like that's his entire that's his all arm, you need. armor of two mm-hmm. you know and just having that you could use that to flesh out whatever you wanted mm-hmm. but for a new gm like i was that yeah. would be super helpful because you would just see that and go okay five of those yep yeah i mean this this sounds very basic i'm sure listeners who are yeah you know have gm before obviously this seems very obvious but but 
It's not. For it, a first time GM like I was, it's just like staring into the abyss, not really knowing like I've of course I've played before and I've seen good GMs do their thing, but being on that end it's totally different. And the problem I've had in going to a monster manual when I'm looking for encounters to run is that they'll list out the difficulty of encounter, but the monsters are the monsters are so specific and their abilities are so specific that I need to reskin everything. And that takes a lot of time. If we just have generic monsters like that one would be instead of town guard it would just be thug you know and it could be a thug of any kind you know you you put your own skin on it maybe that's a good way to start off just just level zero thug and then you could with our dice tier yeah okay easy i want now i want a level four thug boom yeah and i I don't think the gm should be worrying about the dice tier of enemies if that makes sense Mm -hmm. like i think i think players should worry about the dice tier the gm should get if you want to increase the difficulty of him you should be able to add plus one to these stats to anything yeah yeah but like so his damage instead of you know like maybe a level one instead of level zero it's a plus four to hit and a uh 1d6 plus three so everything just goes up by one and his health increases by five you know just just something i I don't know that those are the numbers Mm -hmm. but the GM not having to worry about the dice tier system makes it easier on the GM. But the players relying on the dice tier system makes it easier for the GM to balance an encounter. Mm-hmm. There is an argument that asymmetric gameplay makes everything more complicated. I'm not seeing it on my end, on, yeah. on in this one. Yeah, but having that deck of cards in would be mm-hmm. super great. Cause, like thug, yeah. small animal, magical animal, and you could say magical attack does this much damage. I'm good on the creative end. I could take that deck of cards, shuffle it, and mm-hmm. come up with a campaign or encounter just based on like five random cards I'm seeing in front of me. Mm-hmm. It's the numbers and everything, putting that together, which is the hard part. So how do you balance around unequal levels of your party? So do you do it by the total amount of momentum? Because the amount of momentum somebody has increases their efficacy. Mm-hmm. You could say if everybody's level four, except for two of them, one's level five, one's level two, right? But the level two guy has 90 momentum saved. You can just count that as he's level five. Yeah, <laughs> you know, for your average, your average level, then uh, how much how much you could level up if you spent it. So like divide your momentum divided by thirty. That'd be a good metric. Like what level could you get to if you spent all your momentum? Okay, now that's the le- that's the average level of the group. I like that. All right, it's a very basic numbers based. I think it'll pan out to be relatively mm-hmm. well. Here's the problem, though. I think that as people level up their power doesn't increase linearly, right? So they, especially, you know, if you're thinking death and they start getting all these creatures and stuff like that, it's not a linear scale. They they start going up exponentially. So we'll have to come up with some kind of formula for that and we'll see if it works. Um, yeah, because I can see, like, you don't want everything based off that level two. Right. But you also don't want level six because a level two is going to get real frustrated. Yeah, because, yeah, so let's say a level two fighting a guy who does a D6 plus five and damage then you're like okay well add three levels and he's dealing with level five death and it's like okay well then he does a, a d6 plus eight and it's like no death's gonna walk all over him mm-hmm. at that you know that's it, it's not even close so there needs to be some kind of way to so the dice tier system helps because it increases the the damage of everything you already have but the new abilities you're getting ramp it up another step let's we'll find a way to balance around that and and we'll see how i guess what i can do is create a spreadsheet of what the average damage of the damage dealers because like citadel will never outpace you know except for mm-hmm. specific circumstances where you can get off as many opportunity attacks as possible um citadel will never outpace a pure damage path so what is the average you could do at this level if everything hit and you had everything out that you could do 
over five rounds, let's say. And then the difference between what it is at each one of those levels should inform how much it ramps up for the GM for each, you know, mm-hmm. monster. And we're also free, open to do whatever. Yeah. Do whatever the hell you want. It's true. If you look at a formula and just say no, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let's get into step five a little bit. We've already done Scoundrel, Citadel, and Radiance. What we've got left is Death, Zealotry, Command, Marksman, Ice, Fire, and Champion. So we've got quite a lot. Yeah. But we have some ideas for each um, each of these. And I think for Marksman, we talked about moving Suppressive Fire to step five now. And it's a, uh, a feature where if you hit with two ranged attacks, all enemies within your line of sight move at half speed until the start of your next turn. That's very useful. Yeah, but it also fulfills the function of suppressive fire, right? Yeah. Like the actual what way it's supposed suppressive to work. fire would be. Yeah. yeah, but it's all enemies within your line of sight. I think is is fair. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just shooting five arrows at the ground. Yeah. You know, doesn't really stop what we're going for. No, and that's like a volley is yeah. the idea. So how about an at will? And I think if we give them suppressive fire, we don't. They don't need a scene, mm-hmm. right? Because that's really already that's really powerful. Oh man! If you had like three marksmen and two of them held their their action until your turn, to do what? Chain them together. Oh, suppressive fire. Something like that, mm-hmm. where you would actually have to have more than one archer to do suppressive fire. I like that. That's yeah. well. Does it count if it's? I don't know. I think it has to be from the same archer because it <laughs> has to be a threatened, like a single threatened source. Some kind of Voltron ass like move where mm-hmm. you have all three archers just holding and then letting off at the same time. That could be cool. I'm just trying to think, like, if you've got, you know, a long shot archer and a... Yeah, the combat, the medium. It's a skirmish or what we call it. And an assault archer. If that assault archer's in the middle and, and shooting up the mix, it's not going to suppress... That person has no uh, su- has very little suppressive effect compared to the long shot yeah. one that's just landing him from far away. Well, what's, what's an at-will attack that you would do as a marksman that both would, would like? So we've already got some good ones for him. They've already got rapid fire and impossible shot. And they have from the hip and punch through. Mm-hmm. They can already pin people, and they've got arrows that that give secondary effects when they hit. Do we want one for long range, one for close up? Or I don't think so. I think at this point now, there's enough differentiation okay. to where you would use the whatever your loadout is would would make the ability customized okay. already. You know, maybe something like distracting shot. That's good. How would we? If it hits, it it, it deals low damage, but that enemy takes a negative four to hit maybe their dodge goes down by two and they get negative four to hit that's great that would be very useful Mm -hmm. or do we do maybe just negative two to both yeah right because it'd be worth it depending on Mm -hmm. what's going on because you got some guy hitting you from long range as well you know you would be like all right well i'm gonna tag him just hopefully he'll miss and when the champion can get to it it'll be less likely to dodge that's great. All right, that's that's easy enough. I yeah, mean, either one, shot. either one would use that. Either right? one, yeah. Does it also grant the upper hand? Is this nat will? Yeah, hmm. it's pretty powerful. Then if we do that, yeah, I think just distracting shot because they're just a little, just, just the negative twos. I think mm-hmm. is probably enough. But because because dodge and hit don't scale yeah. in our game at the same rate. If you could have the upper hand every round, that would that might be it'd be brutal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going to do everything in your power to try to get the upper hand every round, but... Just having it given to you would be... Yeah. Okay. So let's if you do were that. in the background, you could just do that. Yeah. Because, well, think about it this way, too. You can say, let's say you're long shot, right? And you're, you go, okay, well, now I'm going to affix a heavy broadhead to it, so it'll do more damage, right? I'm going to spend my move action to 
gain plus two to this attack, and I'm going to do it from double the distance of anybody else, and then they get negative two, negative two. Like, you don't really feel like you're sacrificing a lot mm-hmm. to get that shot off. Yeah, yeah. you're helping out your, your team. Okay, I like it. I think that's enough for them, because at four, they really blew up with uh, the versatile quiver and catch a breather. So let's do that. Let's do distracting shot, negative two, negative two, and it deals... What's heavy broadhead do? Two tiers up. Let's do four tiers lower. That works. Okay. Weapon minus four tiers. They get negative two, negative two, and um, and it's till the end of your next turn. So you get the benefit of it, of their reduced dodge on your next shot. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Cool. God, I love marksman. <laughs> the assault marksman is just going to be... Oh, it's going to be gross. I kind of... I'm favoring long shot myself, but... but I like that they both seem useful. Yeah. Oh yeah, because if you do distracting shot and then rapid fire next, you get the their dodge is lower for both of both those shots. Rapid fire was just a solid mm-hmm. move every time. Just okay. give up that in bonus and. Go. Oh, and I think we we created sunbeam for radiance, and it was just a damage thing. I think we can let it heal because it's single target. They have no single target heal, so I think we give this to them. It's a big hit either as a heal or uh, or damage. Okay. I feel like that's fine. Yeah. That doesn't really cause any, any problems. Roy G. Blitz doesn't heal anybody. We'll keep that name for as long as we can. So, Zealotry Step 4, we gave them an at-will, but we also gave them we gave them a daily and a, and a per scene. The daily is an attack. It grants them an extra attack action on their next attack. The per scene is called Persistence, and it's a swift action, and it extends the effect of a Bane or a Boon on the target by an additional round. I think that's okay, but now we've changed it to be stances. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. it's not really that useful, except for... So I think what we can do is change persistence to be an at-will move action. So if you want to extend the effect of a, of a bane or a boon, you have to spend a move action to do it, but you can do it whenever you want to. And then their daily is very powerful. <laughs> Just you make a basic attack, and you're... Your next attack action, you get an extra one. That's real powerful. Yeah. And then we put down Nova Strike as an at-will attack. I think we make that step five. It's your next attack damages enemies and heals allies in burst one for uh, a lot. <laughs> so it, it that's pretty good. I think if we're giving everybody a per scene to use now, I think we give them a Bane to put on enemies. Um, hmm. Do they have any banes for before in their steps? Yeah, let me pull it up here. Yeah. They only really have Aspect of Fear and, let's see, Exploit Cowardice. Until the end of your turn, you and all allies within 10 game the upper hand. That's all boons. These are all boons. So we should start laying down some banes. Can we, you know, Warding Strike, make sure you don't attack anybody but you? Mm-hmm. Could we have one where they just don't want to attack you at all? We have that for radiance okay yeah we've got we've got that so that um enemies have to pass a composure check to even be able to attack you okay you know be fun is something like ghost rider that penance stare you know where it makes them relive like bad stuff oh god what's like an evil eye or something you know like where, where you you give them a look and it and it causes them a bane maybe for maybe for two rounds they relive their worst memory. <laughs> uh-huh. And you could use persistence to keep yeah. to keep it up on them. Um if you could like project, you know, like their children or something, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So what what is what's a good one? Maybe because there's the paranoid condition. Let, let's look up some conditions here. Spiritual concussion. 
All right, here we go. Blurry vision, shortness of breath, pulled muscle, paranoia, and shaken. Hmm. I think shaken. How about paranoia and shaken? They cannot benefit from ally boons, cannot be granted attacks for movement from allies. They cannot make opportunity attacks, and they get negative four to skill checks. Just staring into the eyes of, mm. like, a fucking cobra. Yeah. Is that good enough, though? Because, like, blurry vision is negative two to melee attacks and dodge, and negative three to range attacks. Make it a daily and say, oh. first round is blurry vision, second round is, if they don't get rid of it, second round is paranoia. Yeah. How about, like, every every round at the start of their turn? Maybe it's, like, visions of death and they have to roll to gain a condition the condition is completely imaginary like it, it's yeah. not really happening but in their brain yeah so so they have to roll on the track just psychosomatic conditions mm-hmm. oh yeah and if they're all uh what if they're all just step one like the, it mm-hmm. never gets to step two but it's like if, if if you roll mild concussion they just have that again that turn so they get a new condition every turn does the previous one go away so, like, if you, if you have it for two turns and you roll a concussion on the first one and you roll something else on the second one, are you no longer concussed? I think so, yeah. Okay, so you just keep... Because <laughs> that would fuck with you. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. and that's that's a per scene. I think it's would a spell. Would they have to do something to make it go away? Like, would they have to stop, not move, not fight, or anything to make it No, I think, stop? I think they, in the beginning of their turn, they roll a composure die. If they beat your composure defense, they don't they don't gain the condition. They still have evil eye or whatever we're going to call mm-hmm. it. They still have uh, they still have that effect on them, but they don't they don't have to gain a condition that turn. The condition goes away for that turn, and then at the beginning of the turn, they do it again. And if they fail, they now roll a d six and they have it for a full round. Yeah, so a full round is uh, that's just fun. Okay, so we'll do mm-hmm. two rounds. I think it's a magical attack, right? So you you roll intelligence versus you know versus their intelligence versus their composure defense. So you attack their composure defense. What's a cool name for that? Because like evil eye is fine, but mm-hmm. and um, penance stare that's that's fine. Those are all very appropriate. But this one, like you're gaining you know conditions and and you feel like you're dying, and none of it's real is the important part. It's none of it's actually real, but the effects are real. I know there's a name for it because that shit really happens, but yeah, like hypnosis, something. Well, it's psychosomatic, right? Like yeah. that's the idea. <laughs> Stare of the hot, like gaze of the hypochondriac, you know, something like that. <laughs> Stare of the puppeteer. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I almost want to make it all step two instead of step ones, like the step two conditions instead of, or we call them stage two conditions instead of stage one, because you can just get none of them. You know, what was the name of the black moon again? But it's also like a graveyard was the idea, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I found it. Okay. Zerusha is her name, and we could call it Eye of Zerusha. I like that. I was thinking like Zerusha's window or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like Eye of Zerusha, really, that does it. So so yeah. you make one attack. If it misses, they don't get the – it just – it fails. But if it lands every turn – on their first turn every round. No, on their next turn. Just for for yeah. two rounds. For two rounds, they get this. on, on At the beginning of their next turn – they roll, and at the same spot in that round, they they roll. They have to roll again, um, and you can use persistence to extend the length that it goes by Just spending a, move action. A stink eye that can give you a concussion. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, that's fun. I like yeah. that one. Um, you'll feel like you have a concussion for one round, and it'll affect you. Yeah, and then like pulled muscle. You, if you if you move further than a certain amount, you take damage. That's fun. I like that. Okay, so yeah, okay, so Nova Strike, Eye of Zerusha. I feel like that's good for zealotry. 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right. So we've done Zealotry and we've done Marksman. How about Ice? I've got, I've got two ideas for Ice. All right. These are both... Not attacks, but they're secondary effects. One's at will, one's per scene. They're both utility. Um, and swift actions. So I was thinking for... You could imbue as a swift action any weapon that you touch, and then when it hits, it explodes with the damage. So like your your ally's weapon is imbued with frost, dealing an extra damage on hit and slowing the enemy until the start of the next turn. And then cold spot is a, once per scene... It's an immediate action whenever you choose to do it. One enemy that's slowed by you is immobilized until the end of your next turn. So, like, you, you slow a group of people and somebody goes to move. You can ramp up the cold on that guy just to stop him, you know, if he's going to run at your healer or something. I really like the first one. The mm-hmm. second one's cool, but the first one is just touching somebody else's blade or something. Mm-hmm. Or your yeah. own. Yeah, that's great. So what if we? what if we then... I like cold spot just because it's a simple. You can do it once per scene, and it's and it's just it could save someone's ass. Oh yeah, and but you you wouldn't want that to be all of step five. But I think given those two, all we need to give them is one at will attack now. I just imagine ice standing behind like citadel or champion. Mm-hmm. Their current at will attacks. Well, their well the current attacks right. Their mm-hmm. their two at wills are ray of frost, which is just like yeah dazzling ray basically. But it just deals damage. Um, it deals damage, and the closest creature hit is immobilized until the end of your next turn. I think I almost want to change that. I think that's too powerful to completely immobilize an enemy with an at will. I think they have to pass. Uh, you have to roll. If your attack roll beats their endurance defense as well, they get immobilized. That way, like. That makes more sense. If you're yeah. fighting a giant creature and it's an endurance of 12, you're not going to immobilize it. But it's still worth it for the damage. And the other one is Javelin of Ice, where it just it's a single target, does damage, and if you spend your move action, it does more damage. Okay. What if we gave them the fireballs, you know, just balls of ice that can explode like a shotgun? We could do that, but then we have we already have um, ice sculptures where we oh, they can yeah. create items and they could, they can make a true. snowball in their hand, yeah. throw it, and it explodes. Um, we could do a snowball where the further it travels, the more damage it does. Oh, that could be fun. Yeah. Yeah, so like it increases in tier. Maybe every three. I think that's almost too slow. So maybe maybe it just starts off at, at, at for every space it travels. It has a range of 10. And for every space it travels, it gains one tier. <laughs> that could be fun, right? Yeah. Like it starts at tier zero. Or maybe should it start at a die four? So we could, we could, we could make it a negative five tier, like to start. Mm-hmm. So it just if, if you hit somebody in front of you, it does a die four. 
And then what's what's tier ten? Let me pull it up. Because if you really needed that die four, you know, right in front of you, just you just do it. Yeah. Well, I don't know because you just use javelin of ice. Maybe it doesn't provoke. There you go. That way, it's it it's just not useful to throw it at somebody a snowball. next to you. Yeah. You could you just kind of like flick it at Adam, <laughs> and it's not going to provoke. Then for step six, you put a rock in the middle, like the shitty kids. That'd be fucked fight. up. Yeah. And I think it slows the target because javelin of ice and ray of frost don't. I think whoever it hits, it slows them. Just from getting hit in the face with a snowball. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So tier 10 is 2d8. That's not enough, right? At level five. If you get your maximum damage off of that, that's not enough. So maybe if it's tier one, so it'll be tier six because you're going to add your level. Well, no, you're level four if you're at step five minimum. So we say it starts off as level two. No, just say level one. So it'll it'll be, it'll start as a d10. And it could grow to 2d8 plus 1d4. Is that is that enough? For an at-will. And it slows them? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Well, let's look at Javelin of Ice. Because the slowing is... I think if you hit somebody at the full 10, mm-hmm. it should get... Mm, if it doesn't provoke and it slows... Yeah. I think... Well, let's... What, what is... Um, I think the damage is secondary. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. What, if you, what if you hit him at, the, at, at, a, at a 10, it's so big, it hits a burst 1. So only at ten though, yeah. Yeah, only yeah. at ten it hits at a it, it's a burst one at the full damage. At that point you're basically bowling. Like if you're yeah. the first to go and they haven't gone yet, yeah. I like that. Let me well let's compare it to the other damage that they do though. So right now makes me want to run like a three stooges <laughs> So right now, uh Javelin Vice is a five. So it's only gonna do tier four. Um Okay, so Javelin of Ice, if you spend your move action, does class seven damage, so we add four to that to be to be at step five and that would be seven plus four is what 11 yeah maybe it does what i say tier one mm-hmm. and then at 10 it, it becomes tier 10 let's do tier zero then so it'll be even one step lower because you're going to try to get that that blast at the end of that yeah every time you're going to move away from the enemies to get that 10 distance okay i dig that doesn't provoke slows an enemy if you hit him at the, uh, it grows by one for every space away you are from the enemy, and if you if you get him at ten, it does a it does a burst one. Yeah, you're not going to cast that at eight. You're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna move back to. I think that's enough for for ice. Yeah, I I, I I like that a lot actually. They got good control. They've got they've got tons of stuff. Ice is great. I don't think mm-hmm. we've ne- we've never had a problem with ice. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, just slowing is. Oh yeah, slowing is so useful. great. And then you could use cold spot to mm-hmm. stop them. Okay. So let's get into, I think that's enough for today on mm-hmm. step five. Let's get into the homework, right? So let's do, yeah. uh, I came up with an artifact and monster that are both linked. Okay. Um, I was a little inspired by Pokemon, and I was thinking compactimals. So it's a small metal sphere, about three inches in diameter, uh, weighing about a kilogram or 2.2 pounds, and it unfolds like a flower to make a full-sized pet. Pet cannot fight but it can perform special functions unique to the pet type it is. So, like, I think we use pets from our time because that's what they would have been modeled after, but they think they're fictional animals like Pokemon because they've never seen just, like, a dog before. They're like, what's this small brookie? So there's a dog can track things, and, like, it acts like a dog, except Mm -hmm. for that cannot fight, will not defend you, but it will will take simple commands like track. Um, Cats can climb and sneak, and you could probably figure out creative ways to use them. A donkey can carry a bird can fly and spot and you could ride a horse and then there's a fish and it does nothing <laughs> at least you don't know why it was you made. have no idea yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and there's six of them so i fi- figure if you find a compactable sphere you roll a d6 to see which one you get 
and um that's awesome i i think because uh, they would completely believe they're just completely fictional yeah they're yeah. like what are these crazy sculptures of animals yeah. they're, they're made clearly this dog is made to look like a brookie you know yeah <laughs> but it's smaller you know they've never seen just a house cat before it could be fun it could be fun to be like you found a compactable and it's like oh what is it it's fucking fish <laughs> <laughs> but then that one time when you're you're in the ocean you yeah know? yeah the fish the I just put nothing for the fish. Yeah. Like I think I imagine like even a goldfish. It's just a goldfish. It's just meant to look cool in your house. And the monster I came up with is a scarier compactable. It will not follow commands and and it's like a dinosaur, a dragon, a bear, other like fictional creatures, things like that. They were intended for almost like a Pokemon Go villain for like a raid boss that you'd go up against. You know what I mean? Yeah. With, with whatever compactable you had at the time. But now it's just yeah, out in the world. It's almost like a mimic, right? You're like, oh, sweet, a treasure. And it's like, oh, it's a dragon. <laughs> but I think the funny thing is maybe it all, always weighs 2.2 pounds. It's like you got this giant horse that you could pick up with one finger. Um, but it, I think that wouldn't be true for the dino- like the dinosaurs yeah. or anything like that. Like you go to pick it up and you're like, fuck, it's you know, really heavy. What? what it- oh, we're screwed. Yeah. Don't open it. Don't open it. Yeah. I like that a lot. That's really. So they would be able to function as a regular creature though, right? Yeah. Okay. But they, you don't feed them. Yeah, they there's nothing to feed them, and uh, they they only know basic stuff. Like they'll follow you around. You know, you could put like a little bag on on the dog. It's like the size of a lab or something. But it's not going to do anything else. Like it just it, if you're like, mm-hmm. hey, it, you you show it like a piece of cloth, and you're like, track this. It is only as good as a dog would be at that, which is great. Yeah. Dogs are great at that, but it's not it's not magical. It's not yeah. gonna it's it's not coming into combat with you. I had a a monster. I'm trying to like in my mind. I'm trying to populate mm-hmm. the world of like what people eat, what people do. Oh sure, yeah. You know, la- you know. Last time I'd come up with that bird creature. This one I came up with a morgue or morgix mm-hmm. for more than one. Mm-hmm. It would be kind of like a cow, like a smaller cow with like really wiry, bristly hair. Okay. But subhuman intelligence to where they have a language that they communicate to each mm-hmm. other. Not a human language, but almost like a dumb whale. Yeah. Like that, you can recognize they are speaking to each other, mm-hmm. but they're just they taste so good oh. that people eat them, <laughs> even though they are you know recognizably intelligent. Okay, that's interesting. I like yeah. that. So, mo- so kind of like a herd animal, kind of like deer, mm-hmm. like a very intelligent deer boar species mm-hmm. that are just delicious. Imagine if you had to negotiate with one, and you're like, okay, I know it's reasonably intelligent. I don't yeah. speak its language, but I can start like showing it things. Yeah, yeah that could be fun. Kind of like a moral system where like. Yeah, you can communicate. Like they can understand you, not your language, but they know. Well, like a like a a chimpanzee. Yeah, yeah. So like, if a chimpanzee was delicious, but everyone, yeah, like everyone knows they're super intelligent, but they're also just so good. <laughs> I like it. I do yeah. like that. Okay, yeah. So more, a morgue more. or a morgue if there's more than one. Okay, because that's that could be a fun. Just like people know, if you're a farmer and you just have a field full of morgues, you're just yeah. Like, what am I doing here? You have to you have to throw them little parties and stuff. Yeah. They don't. They you cannot let them know they're about to be eaten. I listened to the Meat Eater podcast and Steve Ronella was talking about when he went to Bolivia to hunt with the chamane and they heard a howler monkey and they got super stoked. And he's like, "Okay, great howler monkey." He's not into it, you know. And they kill it and they they shoot it with a, a bow. It falls out of the tree and the guy to carry it home puts it on his back like he's giving it a piggyback ride <laughs> and ties its hands and feet around like yeah. to, to around his chest and he wears it like a backpack 
And he's like, he's like, and the whole time I'm looking at it, and I see, you know what? They're just too much like folks. It feels weird. Yeah. I had I had an idea for a ritual that I'm temporarily calling Grizzly Confidant, and it's a way to magically preserve a severed head, and it can only relay information that it had while it was alive. Uh, and depending on how well you perform the ritual, it will give you a number of questions that it will answer before it explodes. That's awesome. That <laughs> but, is so cool. But I don't think the explosion does damage. I think it's just no, gross. It's like scanners. You just have to get those questions. Yeah. yeah. I think you perform the ritual, and you know that you did it well, um, but your characters don't know how many questions they get. You know, I mean, you as a player probably would know because there'll be a chart, you know, mm-hmm. but but I think maybe the GM tracks how many questions they've asked, and then uh, you ask it one, like, it doesn't explode until you ask it one more. And it's like, okay, so wh- how do we go with this? And it's just, it doesn't answer, it just explodes, just, and you're covered in gore. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know, I don't know what the ritual is. Like, I know that that's the effect you want, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? How, well, obviously, you need a freshly severed head, or decap- you got to decapitate it. Mm-hmm. You would have to decapitate it yourself, right? I don't know to do because I think you would. You might come across a freshly murdered body, and you're chasing a murderer. That's true. You don't know what they look like. Yeah, and um, I mean, well, in that in that case, you're probably going to decapitate the head yourself. But mm-hmm. but you know, somebody was executed, and they chopped and and their head was chopped off. You could probably steal the head and then do the thing. Something with the tongue. Yeah, maybe the mouth. It would be center around the mouth. Or the ears. Maybe the mouth, ears, and eyes, right? So Just what you're trying to get the information. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you got you to gotta do something with the mouth, ears, and eyes. You have to stuff them with something or... And then, you know, cast the spell, right? Mm-hmm. I think a severed head is component enough. That's mm-hmm. that's difficult to obtain, generally. And let's say, let's say it lasts for three questions. If you ask it one question and just keep it, uh-huh. like... Two days later, can you ask it another question? Yeah, or I think it, so. I think it okay. lasts indefinitely. Until, until the questions are asked? Right, but I think I think um, it'll respond to anyone. Oh, so. Right, so you got to keep it away from people. If they're like, what the hell is this? He's like, I am this and this and this. He's like, fuck, you choose one of the questions, you idiot. You open your bag and it's just gore. And like, who asked a question? <laughs> I think you have to address it. You uh, you don't have to know the name of the, of the yeah. head. Because you could, well, that would be a cool plot point. You discover one. You know, it's been preserved for hundreds of years. It's just laying there. Yeah. And you have no idea if it's got one more question, if it doesn't. Yeah. You, you know? go, who are you? And it just explodes. You're like, yeah. fuck. <laughs> yeah, so I think maybe maybe mm-hmm. you, you you have to seal the ears and the eyes with wax. Like, you have to close them up. And the, the neck hole. Like, you have to close all that with wax, maybe. Wax and herbs and... Yeah. Oh, that is so cool. That would, that could be fun. I feel like it should be difficult. Too. Yeah. It's a difficult ritual. But so useful, and hopefully you got the right, yeah, the right head. That's <laughs> <laughs> brutal. Oh, imagine the the murder trials. Like we brought the head out. Mm-hmm. They told me to cast the spell very well. We've mm-hmm. asked it no questions yet. It's like we'll see this. Who murdered you? And it just explodes. You're like, God damn it! Yeah, we need a better wizard. Maybe you would have to give it like a rune name to address it. Oh yeah, you have to. Well, because that way it would activate with the name. You have to know their name. Yeah. So you but have then, to to address it. You have to ask it its name. So you could find a head and not know the name, and yeah. then you're searching for whose name it is. If you don't want to ask it one question, what like, do you mean? The first question could be, "What's your name?" <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, exactly. But you have to address it by it. Maybe you have to address it by its name. It's like a Simon says. You have to say its name and then ask your question. Okay. Yeah. So the quest would be find the name of this head. Mm-hmm. Search his pockets. <laughs> <laughs> Most of its pockets are left with the body. Yeah. You know. Okay, that I like that. Um, That's super cool. What do they call it? Grizzly confidant. Yeah, I almost think like witness should be in there somewhere. 
dead man's tongue or something. <laughs> Murder trials, like you said. Bringing out the heads. We were lucky enough to recover them quickly enough. Like, what's the timeline? How quickly do you have to recover the head? I think an hour. Yeah. But that could give rise to, like, in the city, if you're going to murder someone, you fuck up that head. Yeah. If you know the city has a wizard, like, capable of doing this. Yeah. Well, I think also, let's make that a rare one. Anything necromantic, right? It's got to be real rare. And if you show up with one, like, people automatically assume you killed it because the window is so small. To recover the head. So if there's like a murdered politician or something, then... That oh, it would be, be a big deal mm-hmm. if, if somebody... If a politician was murdered and his head is missing, people are going to freak yeah, out. Yeah. That's a plot point in itself because... Secrets. Yeah. yeah. Recover the head. Yeah. He's got a... He's got... This guy... He's the he's the Jay Leno of... Uh, of It's like this guy's the yeah. Jay Leno. He's buried everybody's bodies. How does he keep getting work? Well, yeah. we're going to find out. Yeah. Somebody's going to find out. Somebody's got his head. That could, a whole city, could, a whole like province could just fall into ruin just because a head is missing. Yep. Because people, they spin out and go crazy because yeah. they're so worried. Everyone's worried about their secret. They have no idea what secrets is going to be revealed, but it could be mine. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I like that. I, th- I feel awesome. like yeah. that's, that's fun. Well, I'll do Chrisley Confidant right now, and we can, we can, uh, we can come up with uh, – I, I, like, I think Witness maybe should be in there, um, but we'll worry about that later. Okay. But, that think, makes me think of like a hand to point the way. Oh, yeah. You know, you just have somebody's hand hang from your neck, and it's like pointing with his finger mm-hmm. <laughs> at that, a crossroads. Let's let's table that one for next yeah. time. I like that idea too. All right, well, that's going to be it for us today, guys. I want to thank Max for for coming out. Yeah. As always, if you want to play this game that we're building, check us out on our Patreon at Patreon.com/RPGFS. We're making rule books. We post them there. Uh, at at every tier, we've got something for you. I'm about to release a lot more cutting room floor clips and uh, working on a new design for the upcoming rule book. Something that'll be easier to update than its current design. And we're almost ready to launch the second chapter of our Echoes of the Star Crypt campaign with a whole host of new characters created by you, the listeners, at the $10 tier of our Patreon. You can find us on Facebook.com slash RPGFS. And we're on Twitter. We are at Homebrew Hombres. You can find us on Instagram at RPG from Scratch. That's all one word. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, stay safe, stand watch, and get a full rest. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.